Hey, you know what I believe? I believe that every single person can make a difference and that we all have something amazing to offer the world. I believe in standing up for what matters and in putting one foot in front of the other. I believe courage is way more important than confidence and I'm addicted to seeing people break through what they once thought they couldn't. And that's why I started this podcast. I want you to believe in yourself. I want you to know that anything's possible and I want you to find the courage to stand up and do your thing. Everything's waiting for you. You just have to believe it's possible. I'm Karen Vaughan. This is the Get Off The Bench podcast and here is where your courageous life starts. Hey there, welcome back to the Get Off The Bench podcast and I hope you've been enjoying the past episodes. We've had some amazing people on and today is no exception. Today I've got the wonderful Kate Austin. Now Kate is one hell of a beautiful human being, somebody that I value very deeply in my life and she's also the founder of the amazing not-for-profit Pinchapoo. Pinchapoo is the biggest not-for-profit supplier of personal hygiene products and works with over 500 organizations and community groups, government places, that kind of stuff to bring um, hygiene solutions to disadvantaged men, women and children. And so far, they have distributed more than five and a half million items to people in need. That is unbelievable. So with Kate at the helm, um, Pinchapoo is making one hell of a difference and it really is making a hell of a difference. Anyway, you don't need to hear it all from me, even though I, I do fancy myself as the pinch of poo spokesperson. And Kate Austin, how are you going? Hi, how are you? I am fantastic. Good. Thanks for having me. And I think you make a wonderful ambassador. We call them poo ambassadors, though, so you have to get used to the lingo. Okay, I can become a poo ambassador. I can go and do all <laughs> your public speaking for you. I reckon I've got it down pat, but you, you know. You do. <laughs> you, you might do it a little better than me, but we'll, no. you know, we can fantasize just for a few minutes. But... <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks for joining us and taking time out of your busy day. And It is a bit of a crazy time, isn't it? But always time for you, my love. Oh, thank you very much. And it certainly is a crazy time. And I tell you what, we'll cover that somewhere in during this episode. But in the meantime, would you like to tell us about your your journey? I oh, know it's a bit of it there's some dark spots in there but I always say you know dark leads to light if we can push our way through but um tell us how yeah a bit about your journey a bit about the background and how Pinchapoo came to be yes I can um I guess the, the first question everybody asks is you know Pinchapoo what what does it mean what does it stand for it's fun but nobody knows what it means so <laughs> the penny will drop when I uh, uh when, I, <laughs> when I tell you it's quite simple it's short for pinch of shampoo and 11 years ago almost to the day uh we started a cheeky Robin Hood movement uh a modern day Robin Hood movement that um encouraged people to be loud and proud about pinching their hotel toiletries because they are part of the cost of your accommodation, so definitely yours to take. Um, but I guess it's the, it's what we we do with those that you know that brings the magic to Pinchapoo, and that is yeah, as you said, Karen, so beautifully uh, supplying uh, personal hygiene products to those who don't have access um, in Australia, and that is sadly one in six people in our in our lucky country. So wow, uh, yeah, crazy statistic. But um, Pinchapoo. For me, is yeah a whole heap of, of uh, good vibes and fun, but certainly didn't uh, start off in a place like that. For me, I 
uh, Pinchapir was born actually when I was about 15 years old and uh, was living in an escalating uh, household full of domestic violence and a uh, pretty scary night in particular uh, where my dad had lost all control and broken many bones of mine and I managed to scurry my way up onto the bed to use the strength of my legs to kick him off and we picked up a, a cast iron desk chair and uh, went to put it through my skull. My brother in a very Hollywood moment uh, raced in and I grabbed the chair out of his hand and um, only really a centimetre or two from going directly through my skull. So I mm. don't think I would be here to tell the tale if that hadn't happened. So wow. I knew I needed to leave very quickly, um, as you would. And, um, you know, all the things that you think you would take in a situation like that is actually not what you do take in, in the heat of a moment. So all the things that you think are very important to you um, are actually easily forgotten when you're in a state of panic. So for me, the very first thing I did was instinctively run into my bathroom and grab my toothbrush. Um, and even at the time, I knew looking at the toothbrush, I can see it in my hand now, so many years later, looking at it going, I have no bloody idea what you're going to do with this toothbrush, but it just feels right to take it. So mm-hmm. um Walked out of the house wearing, you know, the clothes on my back and nothing else and, um, yeah, never came back. So couch surfed through school, which was a pretty, you know, rough time. But, yeah, you're young and stupid and you think you know it all and, and managed to get through that. And then, uh, sadly, three, four years after this particular event took case, I spiralled into a pretty nasty place of post-traumatic uh, stress and, yeah, suicide attempts, self-harming, um, had an anxiety disorder and um, OCG just to make it the perfect cocktail of <laughs> mental health mm. issues, um, which was really, yeah, quite <clears throat> quite a scary time in my life. And actually only a couple of days ago I had a real trigger where I found a photo of myself probably 25 kilos skinnier than what I was and, um, you know, the, the false smiles and, you know, how hard mm. that was to smile through every day. And, yeah, it's, it's funny how it still triggers you but... On one of my darkest days during that particular chapter of the journey, I was in the shower and I'd had my first son and in the shower and I'd happened to have stayed in a hotel the weekend before and had pinched my toiletries, which everybody does, but no one was loud and proud about it at the time. (laughs) Um, So I started washing my hair and I honestly had, you know, a lightning bolt moment where I felt like, you know, an iron rod went through the center of my being without sounding too cheesy and... And I just thought to myself, what if, you know, every good idea starts with what if I got everyone that I know and I knew a lot of people traveling at the time, um, you know, particularly for their jobs. So, you know, what if I started to get people to pinch the hotel toiletries and we could just help one local shelter and maybe help a few people who were in similar situations to me to have those things that they really needed. Mm. Uh, You know, it was their way of connecting to the world and that was my way of connecting to the world too like as a teenager I was you know I was like you Karen I was the lead singer of the band I was the he had the lead role in the play you know I was the sort of the center of attention all the time and I went to a very different space when all of a sudden I didn't have the deodorant I didn't have the mascara I shouldn't have been wearing at school that's a separate story I didn't have (laughs) those things but you know we all have those things that make us feel like us and it's for Mm. men as well so you know, how different my life was because of, you know, lack of access to these things. So that night I uh, I ran out of the shower and I knew straight away the name was Pinchapoo. I did. And I ran out of the shower, uh, stark naked, dripping wet. Sorry for the visual, everyone listening. And 
<laughs> and it's a true story. And, you know, I said to my husband, um, you know, pinch your poo. And he was like, oh, Lord, I could see him, you know, mentally packing my bags and ready to institutionalize me. And I sort of, you know, he said, sit down and tell me, tell me, what are you thinking? And, you know, the first thing he said to me was, um, I love it, but you can't call it pinch poo. And I just think for me, that is the most poignant part of that whole story is that the second you have an idea that's outside of somebody else's boundaries or the first thing they will do is, is say you can't. And, yeah, I mean, that's the first thing he said to me is, you know, love the concept but you can't call it pinch poo. So I knew straight away that that was absolutely what it was going to be bloody called. Mm. And uh, and he is now my ex-husband, for those of you who will be glad <laughs> to know that too. Um, so yeah, so that's, that's where that journey started and, and then went, you know, to, oh, this is pre-social media. So, you know, now I can only imagine how much different that journey would have been to get the idea up. But Mm. I started off with emails and just emailing a few friends and saying, Hey, I've got this hairbrain idea and, you know, how about next time you travel, you pinch and, and, you know, it just started turning up on my doorstep and people would tell people and people would tell people and then, you know, the newspapers get a hold of it and you get a little bit of media and, and I'm such a big believer in momentum and, and that just yes. snowballed and it has continued to snowball unbelievably for 11 years now. It's been a hell of a ride. Wow. And when, when all this stuff, because I know myself running One Planet Classrooms, you know, and a lot of people were donating at a particular time and we can't do it now because it costs too much to get stuff over to Uganda. Yeah. But I remember all of these things arriving and arriving and arriving and I was <laughs> so damn overwhelmed, you know, that my house was becoming a yes. storage centre. So how, did you have that problem as well? Oh, you my were... God. I could show you photos of my house. There were days where my kids would have to climb boxes to get to the toilet um we would clear millions of tampons off the dining room table to be eating dinner we I mean every day I took the kids to school and I set my house up like a warehouse and you know this is before we moved into um Poo HQ which is just a you know a phenomenal space now but early days you know you haven't got the funding you just got to make it work so Mm. yeah it was crazy there was stuff everywhere that's actually one of my favorite you know sometimes somebody takes a photo of you at a time when you absolutely don't want them to and you hate it but you're so glad that you kept it because it turns out to be one of those crazy poignant moments I had a work experience um student with me and I just had a day where it just kept coming and I couldn't get through it and I just I knew that we were at that tipping point between you know being able to work at home and moving into a warehouse and I sat on my front balcony with my hands in my um you know, my head in my hands and, and she took this great photo of me with this pile of stuff in front of me and then me just having a total breakdown. But that was a real turning point for me. The next day we got offered funding for a warehouse and, and it, you know, things shifted. But, mm. yes, I can tell you it's it's something that's beyond your control and it's beautiful and it's wonderful but it's bittersweet because you've got nowhere to put it and you've got no way to process it and have any type of sort of operating structures you've just got to you just got to roll with it really Mm. it's crazy and it's it's really uh everybody wants to help you know the the people are looking for opportunities to what can I do what can I do and some people can't start a not-for-profit and can't do great big things but they can pinch the shampoos out of a toilet they can send them to you so they feel great so you're at a kind of a you know at a crossroads there where you're so thankful that everybody's feeling good about themselves and feeling good and you're helping people yeah but but, uh, you know a lot of times people are not really realizing that uh, there's somebody one person usually who has to you know who has to do all the work so thank god for volunteers and 
Oh, my God. You Now, I mean, now you've set up your warehouse in Melbourne in Australia and you've got some amazing volunteers that come in. And But it's not just... They don't just come in to volunteer to help you, which they do, but they get so much out of it too. So tell us about how you run your volunteers and what kind of things they get out of it when they're in the poo headquarters. Okay, yeah, well, I mean, what do, what do any of us do without volunteers? My God, I mean, I just, I, my volunteers, I don't even call volunteers, they're my family. They're the ones I spend every day with. They're the ones we laugh and cry with. We celebrate the highs and we drink together with the lows. I mean, yeah. they keep us going. They're phenomenal. And um, to have a space that people belong to, that people can come to every day. And we actually have a one-third uh, special needs workforce. Yeah. Um, which is amazing and so enriching and so giving lots of special needs kids and adults an opportunity to connect with the community and to participate and, you know, to have somewhere to belong to. And, um, you know, that for me has been particularly hard in all of this COVID stuff mm. is that, you know, people don't have that that place to belong. But, you know, we're finding other ways to do it as are all businesses. But, um, yeah, certainly missing my big poo family at the moment, that's for sure. Mm. Yeah, well, when um, and, and I know that you take in a lot of people that are, you know, feeling isolated and that kind of stuff and people with mental health issues who don't really belong in other places and you take those people in and, and they you embrace them and they, they feel like, you know, they feel like their life's changed. They feel like they've got this family who really loves them and I've seen that, I've been there and seen it and that's just really beautiful. I think it's a fallout too, like it's something I never expected and it's probably only something that I realised in the last few years that what happens inside those four plain concrete walls is actually just as magic as what happens once all the, you know, the packs leave the warehouse is that, you know, the hugs and the, you know, all that stuff that seems mm. so far away now but all the hugs and the warmth and the, you know, someone has their dog put down, we all cry together, you know, it's beautiful, mm. it's a family and we're all there on common ground and, and wanting to make a little bit of difference in the world. Yeah, it's beautiful and I've seen it. I love it. Well, now you're talking about, um, you know, the difference now because of coronavirus. So, you know, how how is Pinchapoo now getting stuff out and how, how are you working if you haven't got this warehouse space? How, how are you managing? It's just a – it's like anything. You get thrown a curveball and you go – what are we going to do here? You just have to make it work. And I think, you know, that's not just charities that have had to do that. It's any business at the moment. Mm. You just have to look at how, you know, how you, how do you keep going? And you can't, we're in a position where, you know, we're helping hundreds of thousands of people every month. And how do you say, well, this is all too hard. I'm walking away from it. So you just have to think quick. Yeah. Um, so we've been um, operating, I've been doing sort of four o'clock in the morning till 8.30 in the morning uh, so I can come home and, homeschool my beautiful kitties um and then sort of working from home but I mean that's for me but um we've got a a rule at the moment one person in there at a time but what we've been doing which has been working so magically is uh doing a a poo at home kit which basically is a kit that our volunteers can come and pick up they're the only one in the warehouse at the time so there's no contact with anybody else they pick up a kit they do their packing at home and then they deliver it back so Every morning we're doing contactless pickups, so all of our organisations will come to the front door and pick up their deliveries and we haven't really needed to to have a 1,000 people in there, but I think it definitely loses its magic a little bit when you take the people or the heart out of it. Mm. You know, you become an operating model and you lose the heart, but 
it's a temporary thing and we'll get to the other side. But, yeah, I mean, demand is ridiculous. So we just have to keep going and, and doing what we do. People need us more than ever. Mm, yep. And it will it will end and everybody will come back and all your volunteers will, you know, uh, find their, get back to their family again. And your family I'm talking about, the Poo yeah. family. And, yeah. yeah, but it is a hard time, you know, and it's there's a lot of people very isolated. But, um, yeah. yeah, kudos to you for, you know, quickly working out how you're going to continue to support all the people that definitely need the support. Um, when you were talking about before about setting up Pinchapoo, uh, did you did you know what you were doing? So, for example, you said, I'm going to start up Pinchapoo. You know, you come out running naked and thanks for the visual, you know. But um, yeah. when you said that, did you did it cross your mind at all? How am I going to do this? Or, or were you just so driven by your passion that you didn't care how how it was going to happen you just knew it was going to happen you know let me just make something very clear to you I had no bloody idea Mm. I had no idea I I and you're so right that's exactly what it was I had this like a fire that was burning inside me where I just I felt for the first time in so many years like I had a purpose I just had I had a reason to be here now I didn't want to take my life anymore I didn't want to um, you know, let the days blend in together. I knew what I needed to do, but I had no idea what to do. I just, mm. I definitely, I just had this fuel inside of me that made me feel unstoppable. And I knew that whatever hurdles I was going to come up against, I'd jump over them or around them or, you know, crawl under them or whatever I needed to do, because that's what happens when you find your purpose. Yeah. And I think it's a really key thing that you're talking about. It's, we, a lot of people have, they say, oh, I want to do this. And then they get held up by the how. I don't know how to do it, you know, and they stop. And I, I'm, you know, I'm sort of sit 50-50 a little bit on this. Either they don't, it's they're not passionate enough about it. Because yeah. if you're passionate enough, that gets you up every day and you don't know how, but you bloody will find it. You put yeah, one paper so in front of the next and you keep going. But the other thing is, um, you know, if you, like, don't do it if it's if you can't if you're going to sit there and be stuck on the how forever and ever maybe maybe it's not your bike to ride you, you know but it's a great saying yeah just yeah, do it I mean just, just do, do it. it I agree and hey. what have you got to lose I mean I was in a situation where I was suicidal I was hurting mm. myself I was what did I have to lose at that point I just I knew that I had to give it a go and if you fail then you've learnt that's what I always say no such thing as as failure but you just learn and I've learnt so much along the way every day I continue to learn new ways new thoughts new you know any journey you're going to learn things on but you just have to you just got to roll with the punches and just do it like and if it falls over big freaking deal what have you lost I just I felt fearless that way on this I really did yeah and and you're right. It's we're all going to fail. Like yeah, we all fail. And it's and it, it it's not a reflection of us. You know, it's no. a it's a reflection of oh shit, I didn't have the skills, or that went wrong, or I didn't realize this. It's not about us being such bad people that we shouldn't be doing it. You know, we're all going to fail, and we're all going to get back up again. And if and, you didn't, it'd be a boring journey. Like no one wants to go on a journey that's full of highs. That's there's no reward in that. And it's impossible anyway, do you know. That's it's right. It's kind of like being a perfectionist and having all your ducks in a row before you start and that's just, that's not going to happen. You're going to never going to start what you set out to do. But something that you talked about, you know, that you just reminded me of is you said that you were 
didn't want to live, you know, and so you had nothing to lose. But there are also people who have not had adversity and there's also a feeling of guilt about that. But, you know, but I haven't had anything wrong with me. I don't have a story. You know, I've got nothing to really spur me on. But I always say, for Christ's sake, start now before adversity. Oh, my God. Prevention is better than cure. I know. Don't (laughs) wait for some shit to happen to, you know, to turn the light on to say, oh, you know, my life's bigger than this. I need to do something. Your life is bigger than just anything just just go for it here i mean we are all here for a reason and i am so grateful that i found my reason and i think people spend a lifetime searching for their reason and you're right karen they get hung up on the on the house and the Mm. you know oh which step do i take first you just got to jump in it's like anything you just got to jump in and if, if you can't swim then you sink big deal you know you get back up and it's a roller coaster and honestly you know, I've had days where I've thrown my computer at walls and had two-year-old tantrums, 100%. <laughs> no, 100%. So do I, often. Oh, my God. It's normal. That's normal. But what? And we have to normalise that. That's our job yeah. in our position as, you know, people who have had a journey is to normalise that, the tantrums and the, you yeah. know, the total breakdowns because you get back up and what defines you is when you get back up in the morning and you strap yourself back in for the ride. Yeah, absolutely. And it... it that the normalization is great because you know I have people say to me, "Oh, you've really got your shit together." No, I don't. No, no. I don't. It's no. um, you know, I I'm I know I'm doing great things. You're doing great things, but these great things don't come without um, you falling flat on your face. They absolutely don't. And when you fall flat on your face, sometimes we fall hard because we've we've dropped so bloody far. Do you know? And it's, yeah. And we expect yeah. to know the answers, and then we don't know the answers. You know. And yeah. It's, it's a real struggle. But the other part to that is building a bloody good network and, and people that believe in you and, uh, you know, there's always someone around you to support you. Oh, look, the, the people that you, that you have around you are absolutely key. And I guess when you have your own journey to travel, when you have your own story to tell, your own path to take, you get to choose who comes on that journey. And yep. for me, I didn't, you know, I had plenty of people who turned their nose up at it or whatever it was and it used to upset me but I have realized above anything else now that you don't want to take everyone on the journey you absolutely don't um you take the right people and they're the ones who you know we've got you know network people who have been on board for 10 years I mean you don't do that if they're the wrong people Mm. um you know and I think you can apply that to your own personal life as well everyone can point to that one friend who's you know always the one who wusses out or tells you you can't or you know Mm. it sort of lives within their boundaries but you know, we need to surround ourselves in in the right squad. That's what I always say. You got to yeah, hundred percent. It's about the squad. Yeah. Look, I know people who've started up um, not for profits and they've and in just sort of community groups and that kind of thing, and they've failed. And it's because, you know, their mum wanted to help them, but their mum was the biggest poo pooer on earth. You, you know, and <laughs> and their and husband and best friend and you know that sort of stuff. But but they've. Uh, always been holding holding the person back you know because of their beliefs and yes. because of their expectations and you, you can't do that and then the other the person doesn't want to upset this one and that's not you you can't move ahead like that you know I can and, honestly say with my hand on my heart we have not had a second a day a moment a episode of bitchiness of gossiping of politics of anything on the whole journey and I think that's when you know that you've got the right people around you you just do you 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 know you spend your days with the right people and the right things are going to happen for you but that's not easy to work out who the right people are either I mean um 
you know, people come to me and say, how do you create a network? And I said, well, you do it on your terms. And I always say to my team, I wouldn't want to work with anybody who I wouldn't have over for a Sunday roast, as stupid as that sounds. No, that sounds but, good. you know, even our couriers get a big sloppy kiss when they come through the door because they're part of the family too. Everybody plays a role and um, mm. no hierarchy and all the rest of it. We're just a big family doing good things. And I think that's another key point that you're saying is the no hierarchy. I think, you know, when you're running running the show like that and you're on the floor with everybody else and you're part of it and you're prepared to get your hands dirty and do what they're doing, um, people respect that. Oh, you have to. I'm the first person to jump in the recycle bin to push the cardboard down. I mean, mm. that's um, that's you're right. You have to be seen to be doing that. I mean, what gives you the right to to stand above anybody else? I mean, I I had a good idea 11 years ago, and thousands of people have brought that to life for me. I can't take all the credit for it. And you know, when you say you're part of a team, that means you get your hands dirty, and you, you know, and our board is very much like that too. You know, they they do the the governance and the top end stuff, but they also come in and empty the rubbish bins and, and mm. do the toilets and that's so important. Yep, I agree. And so how does this work um, fill your cup? Because, you know, you, you've got to, your cup's got to be full before you can fill other people's and it's a lot of people overlook that, you know, particularly people like us, you know, we're in, in serving roles, you know, yes. we spend our life serving others and that, that means a lot to us. But if our cup's not full, we're going to run out of juice. And so how does this work fill your cup? I mean, how many people, I always say to people, how many people get to get up every morning and change someone's life and people will say Kate you're not changing anyone's life you know with a toothbrush or a bottle of shampoo but you actually are you're changing someone's life even if it's just for a second Mm. so for me I always bring myself back to that time when I couldn't communicate and connect with the world around me because of the way I felt because of what products I didn't have access to and and yeah, there are those times where you you know you get bogged down in the details and you're counting bottles and pallets and you know trying to coordinate things absolutely. But you need to bring yourself back to that to that original reason of why you did it. And I want to help people so that nobody ever has to feel the way that I feel and we and, and that I felt. And you know Australia has an enormous hygiene problem, and we're perceived as a lucky country. And you know I've been given a voice to try and change that in our in our country and a platform to talk about it. So, you know, for me, that's hugely empowering and I can't, you're so right, you can't fill anyone's cup unless yours is full. And, and if it's my work that's not filling my cup, it's the team, you know. we I think mm. we all have high and low, low moments but we're there to pick each other up. And this all sounds incredibly cheesy but I think, you know, we just, you, we've bred an incredible culture and, you know, culture is such a, a vital part of any business, mm. um, you know, to get people aligned with the mission and to get everyone on board and, and you can't do that without a great culture and, and that certainly fills my cup. Mm, yeah, good one. Well, when you, you, uh, you're talking about being cheesy, you know, it's funny because <laughs> I was thinking the other day about – all these cliches and you know you're using so many but they're per- but they're perfect you know and it's that I was 
I said something the other day to somebody and I thought, oh, God, that sounds cliche. And I know, but if it's right, like it's, if it's the right thing to say, that's actually what it means when people exactly. frivolously use it. <laughs> exactly. And, and they were, cliches were put in place for a reason. Do you, you know, like they're, they're really there because they've, they've stood the test of time because they actually mean something. Correct. So don't yes. apologise for it because it's, it's wonderful. <laughs> I've got lots more. <laughs> yeah, keep using them, yeah. You know, before I'm, I'm curious because when you said, you know, how you felt when you were younger and – um you know, you didn't have access to that sort of stuff. How did, like, did you have to ask people or did you feel bad about asking? You know, like you you knew you needed deodorant and you felt crap because you didn't have it and you felt like you couldn't go out with it. How did you get it? Like, did you? you... Such a good question. And in all my years doing this, I don't think anyone's ever asked that question, Karen. So it's a very, 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 very good question. (laughs) Yeah. I think what I would say is it's very different now. If I was in a situation... Uh, like many other, you know, young people are now, there are so many people to go. There are so many services in place. There is is so much less stigma on, you know, domestic violence. And, you know, it's such, it would have been such a different path. But for me, um, I had um, parents who were quite sort of well-known and um, quite active in the community. So there was that, that shame that came with that as well. So I didn't tell anybody at school. I never reached out to a welfare coordinator. I'm not even sure we had welfare coordinators back then. Now, you know, now schools have got chaplains and welfare coordinators. They do a phenomenal job of identifying exactly those students, you know, who were in my situation. But there wasn't anyone to go to. There really wasn't. And I think even if I did have the opportunity to go to someone, there would have been that much shame and, Mm. um, you know, that attached to it. So it makes it so much harder than you know, maybe it needed to be for sure. So um, I had a boyfriend at the time whose house I slept at a couple of nights a week and his mum worked in a chemist and she would bring home bits and pieces she thought I needed every now and then. Um, But she, you know, I never asked her for anything. I could never have asked her for anything. So, um, you know, even they were not very well off people and they were happy to take me in and um, you know, the day after I, that night that I walked out of my home, I did go to school. I think that I've been given this really privileged platform to stand on now where I've been able to piece my story together and, um, you know, stand up there and hopefully inspire, you know, younger people or even older people, it doesn't really matter, to to reach out for help if they need it because there is no shame and, mm. and no judging, um, you know, in these situations we're all in it together and, and I just wish that I had have made that a lot easier for myself. I certainly didn't. But again, there wasn't. There just wasn't that that space to to have an outlet. In you know, we we had we didn't have welfare coordinators. We had you know career coordinators, but that wouldn't have been the right person. And you know, mm-hmm. I think you have to be connected to someone. And you know, so there's there is so much support out there now. I'm so grateful for that. Yeah. And in this up in this um, particular situation with you, it's it's probably good you did have that adversity so that you could change it for people. And you know, it, it, we, if you hadn't gone through that, you know, pinch poo wouldn't exist, and all these people now wouldn't be getting access to things without without the um, the shame. You know, like now they they yeah. can uh, we they can keep their dignity in place. You know, while they get these things. And I think um, it's really honestly, it's only in the last couple of years that I've that I've realized that what I went through was for a reason. Um, yeah. And it, 
you know, maybe for some people that would have ha- happened earlier, but I was just such a heads down, bum up, had shit to do, needed to just make it happen. And then I sort of sat back and did a little bit of reflecting, which is a powerful thing and, and went, you know, I'm totally at peace with what happened in my childhood now because I would be a very different person without it. So, and I think you can apply that to any adversity. We're all stronger for it if you come out the other side, if you make that choice. Yeah, yeah. That's right. You can sort of sit in the, and I am not judging here, but you know, you can sit in the victim role or you can sit in the, well, what can I learn and what can I change? Yes, it's a choice, 100%. And I, and I had a, a brother who went down a very different path. Um, you know, and dealt with things extremely differently to to the way in which I did, and we don't we don't have any contact, but I always watched from afar, and um, you know that sort of highlighted to me, you know, the two very clear choices, and I was always a very determined, you know, passionate person, so I took that path, and whereas he was a bit more introverted, and you know, was always going to go down the other side, but I had that choice too, so you know, I I think with anything in life you just stop take a minute and go I've got two choices here and you don't have to make a choice straight away but you know give yourself a moment to think about it for sure Mm. and we all have the the, uh, capacity to make a difference we all have the capacity to make change you know we all have the capacity to you know to use those lessons to help other people like we've and ourselves it's not just you always feel better about yourself when you're helping other people and it's a feeling that you can't get from any other thing that you do in your life there's no you know when we get a letter of thanks or we hear about how our work has impacted someone directly and you know it's not always shareable material it's quite sensitive Mm. um but that's payday as a as a not-for-profit it's it's you you realize that what you're doing and what you set out to do is actually helping people and changing lives in in your own little way and um that's the most powerful feeling of all you can't match that Mm. to anything no and it's when people talk about being successful you know a lot of people equate success to um, having a really flash car and a full bank account but to me I you know I I see that you and I have the same same sort of thoughts about success is that you know did you did you change somebody's life like how many people did you change or to what degree did you change someone's life it's very important to know what your idea of success is 100% because that's not mine um you know, I got excited about new new doorknobs on the weekend, which you probably saw on Facebook. But <laughs> yeah, you know, <laughs> simple things. You know, simple things. I'm I'm a simple person. As long as I can, you know, give my kids a, you know, a holiday here and there, and put food on the table and a roof over their head, then everything else that you know, what else do you need really? It's never material things have never been important to me. But you know, they are for some other people, and there's no judgment in that either. So I, I think defining what your six, what your yeah. idea of success is, is really important, no matter what that is. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, 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 yeah I agree. And it's, I don't think we spend enough time thinking about that. You know, what, what, no. what, what is success? Because you know, when we go to school, it's, it's kind of like you'll be successful if you get a good job. You'll be successful if you make lots of money. You'll be successful yeah, if you have a good around. marriage. You'll be successful if you know this sort of stuff. But I mean, I, I guess it's a lot different now. You know, it's a different, different speak now than when you and I went to school. And I'm much older yeah. than you, but um, not that much. <laughs> oh, a couple of decades but anyway <laughs> but um but it's you know you know I think that we don't spend enough time actually asking our own question of ourselves you know yes, what what 100%. does success mean to me yeah you know, 
you know, I'll be happy that when I get to the end of my life that I will feel successful. I do feel successful because um, I'm making a better world. And to me, it, it doesn't matter how that happens. If the world's better because I was in it, then that's a success. Oh, my God. There's no truer statement ever spoken. And even the little things that you probably consider insignificant, like singing every day, um, you know, or filming yourself singing a song or whatever, mm. the joy that that brings to somebody in a moment is just it's like I melt away listening to that every day. And so you don't, honestly, you don't have to go and start a not-for-profit. You don't have to, you know, to do something as radical as that. But um, you can do those little things. that, And it doesn't yeah. take much, you know. It's smile at someone. I've mm. got a neighbour, I'm looking out my window right now, a neighbour who's got a picture of a rainbow on her letterbox, you know. So, and every time I look out my window, I smile at it. You know, it doesn't have to be something enormous, you know, smile at someone, hang a rainbow on your window, you know, mm. just just little acts of kindness. And, you know, not one of us, this is kind of a deflating thing to say, but not a single one of us has the power to change the world. We don't, but together we do. So it's like all those tiny little things add up to just a better place to be in. And who doesn't want to make, you know, world a better place, especially in this crazy trying time. We just have to find kindness even when we're not feeling, you know, just you got to pull it out of yourself sometimes. It doesn't you always do. flow. Yep. But, um, you know, now's the time to find that and to use it in any application that you can. You're absolutely right. And when you say, who doesn't want to make a better world? You know, there actually are people who who don't want to make a better world. And I cannot fathom that for the life of me. No, but it's anyway, a different wiring. It is it? a completely different yeah. wiring. But, you know, thank God most of us do want to make a better world. Yes. Um, we don't know how. Often we don't know um, how. And when you say, you're saying about my singing, now that's a, a, an interesting thing because I do underestimate that, you know, and, and actually, as I've said many times, I haven't sung for four years and I'm as rusty as an old bucket of old nails. No, we love your rusty voice. <laughs> no, but I'm making mistakes. I'm not hitting notes. And, you know, and, and I've, I I don't even care, to be honest. I sort of oh, say, oh, my God, you know, sorry about that. There's a few mistakes in that, but I don't, don't care. Don't say sorry. No, but, well, you know what I'm saying. It's like, oh, my God, but it's... I'm not. I'm still publishing them. I'm not doing that song six or seven times to get it right. You know, I'm no. putting it out because I know that people. You know, I've learned this over my years that people don't want shiny, polished no. objects. People want real. You know, people want and you from the heart. are as real as they come. And oh. when I started, this is so true because when I started, you know, doing speaking, which was just a natural flow out of, you know, this journey. People wanted to hear my story and wanted mm. to to hear it. And when I when I started speaking, I think I was trying to find my identity in that and, you know, I found it really hard to sound like other people and to have a polished presentation like other people and and it just, you know, it kind of hit me. I, I watched a really great TEDx talk um, about exactly what you just said. Don't try and be anyone else. Just be mm. raw, unapologetic you. You don't need to be anybody else. People love you because you're sitting on your tractor singing. People love you because you're, you know, and, and you can apply that to anything. Just be you. Don't try to be your next-door neighbour or a famous person or whatever. Mm. You are an individual and you are precious for exactly that. And to the people who don't appreciate that, again, and not those ones that you want to take on the journey. So, you know, mm. I couldn't love your singing more. I really couldn't. 
makes me happy. Oh, well, thank you. I might have to dedicate today's to you. Thank I you. I think you should. <laughs> oh, my God. I was secretly looking for that outcome. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll do that for you now. For those listening, this was kind of like a few weeks ago, but, you know, it, it will be. You know what yeah. I'm saying? Yeah. yeah. We're not going to air for a few weeks on this episode, but I will do that for you. But it's it's it truly is about... Um, but it's not just that, it's everything in life. It, you just do what feels right for you, what yes. fills your cup, what feels natural to you, you know, and, and I've, I've got a great saying, it goes, particularly goes for um, relationships. If, if it should, you should work hard at everything you do. And I don't mean work, you grind yourself into the bloody yeah, ground, but work, work hard, but it just shouldn't be hard work. You know, if anything's hard work and you're pushing up against bloody brick walls, yeah, maybe, maybe push find the door you know maybe yep. move into something else but yeah agreed yeah now what's um on the horizon oh no actually I know what I was going to say you mentioned something before about looking at your neighbors looking at you and at your neighbors uh letterbox <laughs> rainbow yeah yeah now and it, when we're talking about filling up our own cup and of course we're not going to say the suburb you moved to but you did take yourself out of the busyness of Melbourne and move to the beach side and how do you although your trip now is an extra hour you know to to work how, how do you feel that just following your heart and you know finding a sanctuary that really does fill your cup how has that changed things for you oh i think you know your home is is everything and it's not just the, you know the four walls that are around you i i didn't i needed a, a sense of community which I didn't have where I was was very busy um I've always loved land and property and animals and you know they were all things that were restricting me where I was so uh, my kids were you know having a not a great run at school with a new principal and it was just there was just a lot of indicators that that pointed to that I'm a big believer in listening to the universe and when it's raised your cues you got to grab them so um yeah, I met someone from down the beautiful peninsula in um, in Melbourne and, um, you know, I love even now and, you know, our little trip out and our isolation walks that we can, you know, feed our puckers through mm. the fence and, you know, the kids um, love to laugh at the sheep headbutting the dog and, you know, all that <laughs> stuff. But that's, we just weren't getting that experience where we were and I'm such a big believer in a wholesome yeah. childhood for my kids and less screen time and now they get on their bikes and they ride or they you know they make jumps or whatever dirty boy stuff they get up to but it's it's just a really much more of a wholesome life and I've got a cocky and I've got cats and dogs and there's some chickens coming and you know I'm a bit like you I've got my little zoo here and, <laughs> uh, and it makes me so happy when nobody else makes sense my cocky will talk to me and it all makes sense <laughs> it's um it's beautiful and it, it feels right so yeah you definitely you definitely have to um you know take some risks to to fall into a fluffy nest I think I think so too. I think it's where you live is a really, really important thing. And sometimes we bitch about this place we live at because we've got 11 acres and it's, you know, the um, trees, the branches fall down on the fence yeah. and we get the shits and, you know, and then we've got a sick donkey. And But at the end of the day, you know, it's um, 
we love that we're so far away from people. Oh, you know, it's we can't beautiful. See our yeah. neighbours. We can't hear our neighbours. We can't. Um, can do needy runs whenever you want to. No, not here because we live. <laughs> we actually do. We actually do live on two main roads, except they're away. But you know, it doesn't matter. There's enough of a clearing that nobody right. wants no to see. Nobody noted. wants to see my guts going blah, 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 <laughs> across the pavement. <laughs> but it, it is so important, though, isn't it, to find the right sanctuary and you know and. And despite the fact that you're saving the world and you're doing all wonderful things, you know, we've still got to look after ourselves. We've still Oh, you got do. To do you do. And to separate the the frantic and, and find the peace, you know, it's the yin and the yang. And, yeah. and when I, where I was before, it was the frantic on top of the frantic. So, yeah, um, yeah we just love it here. We, we couldn't be happier. And, yeah, we're in the middle of sort of slowly renovating the house bit by bit and, you know, making it ours and making decisions that – reflect who we are and it's beautiful it's it's probably happened later you know in my life than maybe I wanted it to but you know timing's not something we always have control over either so oh, yeah no. I'm loving it very cozy as I lie here in my four-posted bed talking to you on a podcast <laughs> it's beautiful oh that's like another visual thanks very much yeah Mary. sorry it's not as bad as the other one though no no well I don't know well the people can choose what, what they think <laughs> Ah, that's awesome. And so what's on the horizon for Kate? Oh, for Kate. Kate is going to write a book this year. Um, yes. Um, it's, it's well, I should be asking you really. This, this could be my part of the interview, but it's not something I know how to do. So getting back to that, I've just jumped in. I've, I've brain dumped at this point and really got some, you know, some deep things off my chest. But the objective, always important to have an objective and the objective for me is to, to start to really talk about some of the confronting mental health issues that people go through. And mm. I, I certainly am going to spin a few heads around and, and possibly even lose some friends, you know, over over some of the stuff that will go into this book but it's important that it's raw and that it's real and and Mm. unapologetic as as you know they're the qualities that I apply to everything that I do so so I think from a personal perspective the book is really for me um it's a it's a it's a to I think so much of my journey is still so disjointed and a lot of it I haven't wanted to speak about a lot of it I haven't admitted a lot of it um you know, I I probably don't even want my kids to know, and they're already asking if they can read it. So there's going to be some some confronting stuff that, um, you know, that will will come with this process for me personally mm-hmm. and for the people reading it. But I really just want people to know that you can come out the other side, no matter what you go through, and mm-hmm. um, and that we need to we need to talk about mental health, and um, we need to talk about um you know how it's okay to not be okay again another cliche but a brilliant one and um you know that journey is different for everyone else but I mean mine was horrific I can't I mean you'll have to wait because I can't even talk about it without having a total breakdown so Mm. I think it's it's important for me but yeah hopefully a great read for everybody else as well I've been frantically reading your books and trying to get some tips there but um I'll have to give you a buzz <laughs> oh absolutely it's not an easy process but you know like anything you do you just jump in and you work it out as you go along yeah and that's exactly right it's a and the first step is making a start and I tell you what what a what a read it will be I can't wait but um I cannot wait and I think you're right it's a really important thing and, and it's not about being apologetic anyway not that you're saying you are because you're saying the opposite but it's it's your story nobody can take that away from you um, nobody has a right to say whether you can or cannot publish that and and my thing is if 
your story or something you do or something you say helps one person, that's right. Then, then it's a, a massive success. Yeah. Yeah. And and you know I'm not the um greatest. I I don't know. Yeah, I've published two books, but I don't I don't think I'm the be all and end all of books. But I certainly will help you um, with anything I know for sure because Thank I want you, to see love. you succeed. Yeah, I think I just I don't I don't I'm not a reader. I think that's my issue. I'm not. A I'm reader, not either. So. Yeah, we've had this conversation. So I think I wanted to write a book for people that weren't readers, right? That people that could pick it up and not be able to put it down and be so entrenched. And, um, you know, there's probably only been three or four books in in my whole life that I've read that have been like that. Like I really have to force myself. I've got the attention span of a goldfish and so I'm always, like you, bouncing off a million other things in my head. So I really want to do something that is for people who, yes, who love to read, but people who maybe don't want to read because, you know, maybe they're the ones with distracted minds who need to read it. So, yeah. yeah. So so that's for me personally. And a great piece of advice on that is, you know, that I've sort of got from uh, the people who, who are more in the know than me is always write a book like that uh, that's readable to the age of a year nine student. Oh. Okay, right. Yeah, so because that suits everybody. It's not going to suit, you know, even academics can read it. Well, some might think, well, this is not academic but enough for me. the middle ground, whatever. yeah. It's, yeah, and so if it, uh, a lot of the um, readability skills are at year nine level and people can just flow along with it. So I kept that in mind. That's very uh, good advice. With Thank both you. Of my, and the other thing is to um, write as if you're saying it. I know with my yes. a bench book, you know, people have, many people have said to me, oh, my God, I can just hear you saying that Absolutely. to me. Absolutely, you know, so yes. Make sure that it's... Um, and this is, I'm not telling you the advice, I'm just also for people listening, you know, yeah. if you think about writing a book, these are a couple of um, really great points that really keep your book um, very personalised and, you know, unique to you. It's not it's not um, the, the information in there, it's, it's how you tell the story. Yeah, and it's, 100%. It's, it's bringing yourself into the story and yep. it's genuine and authentic. So Yes, authentic's a big one, yeah. Now, what adv- our last question, what advice would you give to people, because this is a get-off-the-bench podcast, people who are sitting around either thinking, ah, oh, you know, I'd like to do this one day, blah, 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 oh, maybe I self-doubt, I've got bloody imposter syndrome, all that kind of, you know, hoo-ha that goes on. What advice would you give them? Well, first of all, I'd slap them because sometimes, <laughs> I, sometimes I just feel like doing that. You know, you just look at someone and you're like, this is such a great idea. Why don't you just do it? It doesn't make sense to me. You just have to take the first step. Just jump in because you know what? If you take the first step, you don't like it, you can pull back out, right? But if you take the first step and that snowball starts to gain momentum, you will wonder why you waited as long as you did, honestly. Yeah. It's just, you just got to do it. It sounds so simple, but what are you waiting for? We get one life. Like, let's think about this. And our life can dramatically mm. change at any time. Look at what we're going through. You've got one life and you never know when it's about to be rear-ended. You just have to do it. Just do it. Yep. I agree. And and you talk about the, um, you know, you can pull out, but it's not even, it's not just that. You can also change. You can yes. also change your path. You can go, that, that. I've started that feels good. No, that paver felt shit. Well, then put a note, put a different yes. one down. Put one down next to it and step on that one. You can, you know, I think the the ability to be flexible or the the willingness to be flexible and adaptable and continually you know. reassess. You know, there would be, people ask me that question often about, 
you know, what happens, what do you do when you've achieved your goals? Well, you make new goals. You don't get complacent. You, no. you, you look at it and go, well, if I've achieved this, then bloody hell, let's start thinking about what else I could do, you know, like continue yeah. to be ambitious, continue to strive for new things and that's what keeps you going. It's of course the, it does. It's the yeah. thrill of the chase. Yeah, and and you sit still once you've achieved, you know, oh, oh, well, I've got my car, I've got my job, I've got my family, I've yeah. got, yeah, blah, blah, blah. You know, you're sitting in a stagnant pond yes. if, if, if things aren't um, moving around you. And I don't mean that everybody has to feel guilty, oh, I'm not doing enough, I need to set up a not-for-profit. That's not what oh, I'm God, saying. Oh, God, don't do that, you know? no. No, yeah. no. <laughs> oh, Lordy, that's a different podcast, that one, yeah. <laughs> but, it's, but, you know, just keep moving, keep growing, keep learning, keep, you know, keep yes. building on things, uh, you know build a bloody paddock shelter or build a dog kennel just do something something oh new God. and the best start a veggie garden you know and this is a great things... time to do it as well yeah. like we're all, we're all stuck indoors and on my uh, other half here has been on youtube watching tutorials of all sorts of random things i'll never understand but that's that's <laughs> great that's what he wants to honestly i can't it's ridiculous but anyway he and you're growing avocados i see so we're all <laughs> um we're all learning new things. I'm not starting, I'm not growing avocados. I'm starting a, an avocado farm. I love that. See, dream yes. big. Think big, <laughs> people. <laughs> dream. And then somebody said on my post last night, yeah, I, I had a tree planted eight years ago and it's only just started. And I said to Nikki, oh, I, don't, I don't think we're going to, we're going to plant our trees and someone else is going to get the benefit. But um, yeah, but it is so much fun. And I've got two in together to see if they grow better with a friend. And then I've put sugar in the bottom of one and I'll probably kill them, but who knows, they might love sugar. But yeah, I'm doing all these tests. Yeah, it's really exciting. I don't mind an avocado. I'll be quite happy to come visit when that happens. <laughs> Yeah, but it could be eight years where, you Doesn't know, it's, um, oh, I've got well. time. I'm not going anywhere. I've got shit no, to do. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think there's enough work around here that we'll still be here in eight yes, years. Yes, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Like any house, especially on property. My goodness. Yeah, I yeah, know. It doesn't stop, does it? No. no. Oh, well, I've really enjoyed this. It's been a really great interview. Um, it's you've you've really shed some light on the possibilities of when things go wrong. You know what you can do about it to light make it better. What you can do to change people's lives. Um, and your story is just fascinating. I can't wait to read your book. I think that's going to be um, a bit of a mind blower, to be mm. honest. But I'm a bit um, scared, but that's a good thing. <laughs> it, yeah, I agree. I agree because that nervous energy pushes yes. you forward. But, yeah. But um, and everything's scary. You know, everything yes. you start is Best scary. Time. But New territory, yeah. yeah. I know, but you you can do it and you're going to do it and many, many, many people are going to benefit from that. That'll take you on a whole different leg as well. Yeah. So you're going to end up with pinch poo one way and your story the other way. But it's... it's um. I'm sure they can go hand in hand absolutely beautifully. I hope so. And thank you for everything that you do for the world, Miss Karen. You are the greatest ray of light that has ever <laughs> been shone on this world. You know I'm your greatest fan and I I just think you are certainly here for a reason, speaking of reasons, and um, nobody motivates me and uh, gets me going the way that you do and you're so authentic and real and, and for me you encapsulate everything about a person you'd want to take on a journey and I adore you so keep doing what you're doing oh well thank you so much I'm glad we're recording that so I can yes I can take that little <laughs> snippet out and and use put it, it in my phone yeah. yeah yeah no no I was thinking to use it as a personal motivator every yeah. day. <laughs> uh, yeah well thank you so much you know I feel the same about you and I just um 
love watching what you're doing and love love that you're just making such a bloody difference and like you you know when your book's out i want to know about it and i want to support you oh you'll bloody hear about it yeah i know (laughs) (laughs) it's fantastic and and nikki's trying to get rid of me because of my avocado farm and i think you've got me um Um, you're locked in girlfriend yeah yeah yeah. (laughs) i'll feed you it's all good (laughs) that's awesome (laughs) Uh, good all right well thank you so much and um now where can people find you where's the websites facebook instagram yeah all that stuff um facey is a great way to sort of keep up with um with the with the journey and it's uh ever changing twists and uh and turns and we like to have a good time on there it's not you know too deep dark and emotionally sort of guilt-driven stuff so yeah facebook definitely yeah but website um as well so yeah just all the the normal um no tricky handles or underscores or hashtags or anything just pinch your poo yeah, Pinchapoo. So, and that's um uh, for the website, it's pinchapoo.org.au. Yes. Yeah. Facebook, it's at Pinchapoo. And Instagram, it's Pinchapoo. And there is an underscore. Oh, underscore. Yeah, sorry about that. That's but, okay. Um, Thank God for you. <laughs> <laughs> so, go and, uh, you know, like and follow and, uh, you know, share some information. Go and just join the community and have some fun and go and check out the website because you'll be absolutely blown away with um, what's going on. And we didn't clearly didn't cover everything but there's some great information on the website so go and do that and please you know send kate some love um you know annoy her with some messages and yes no, no, no do it she, we love i know messages. she loves it I yes know. no it's fantastic so all right well thank you for joining us um uh, really really look forward to the next chapter so i'll we'll catch up with you soon thank you bye no, thank you see ya Oh, my God, how was that? Now, tell you what, Kate Austin, she's a bloody rocket. She's doing some amazing stuff. And it really, guys, go to her website, have a look, um, follow on Facebook and follow on Instagram and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, what a what a brilliant story about how to overcome adversity. And, you know, Kate's done it brilliantly and just, pr- just proves that anybody can do it. And when she's talking about getting off the bench and, you know, didn't even know how to do it, just ha- follow the passion, follow the fire in her belly and it, and it did happen and it is hugely successful. So, you know, you can do it too. And But anyway, this is about Kate right now. This is absolutely incredible. So um, I don't know where to finish because it's just such an amazing story. But when a book does come out, I am going to uh, advertise it. So I hope everybody, you know, buys it and supports her. So anyway, if you've got a, a an idea that you want to get off the bench, don't wait for adversity because you can do it right now and get started. And you are incredible and you can do what you want. So anyway, I hope that's been fantastic. And I'll look forward to chatting again next week. Have a good week. See ya. Hey, thanks for joining me. It really does mean the world to me. Now, if you or somebody you know is doing amazing things, make sure you send me an email to info at getoffthebench.com.au. That's info at getoffthebench.com.au. Otherwise, head on over to my website at kerenvaughan.com and tinker around there a bit and send me a message. Okay, catch you next week.